1: Wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is episode 596 of PlayStation, our PlayStation show. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Podcast Beyond. It's been a week and it's only Tuesday. That's uh, right. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. I'm joined this week by Brian Altano. Brap, rap. Thank you so much for being here, Brian. Of course. Uh, For those who are watching, you may notice, and for those listening, you may also not be hearing any other voices. Uh, That is because Max Scoville is on vacation Mm -hmm. this week. Uh, Lucy O'Brien unfortunately had to drop out last minute. Uh, It's a very busy week here. And surprisingly or not, uh, the rest of the office is very, very busy for being pulled into a room at the last minute have a lot of work going on. That's right. So we'll, so, we'll do a
0: classic podcast beyond very intimate two-man Yes, two man talk
1: and about PlayStation. And what there is to talk about, boy, the world of PlayStation is just ablaze. After with,
0: their tremendous E3 presence, they, it's hard to come back. I so. mean, but
1: the, yet they continue to go. Yeah, More yeah, yeah. announcements, more big reveals. No, it's really quiet out there right it now. It is. Um, but before we get into all of the news we will talk about and some other stuff, uh, first one to say, if you didn't listen to last week's episode or have... And just need a reminder, Uh, unfortunately, we are not able to do a live episode 600. Uh, I know we've been talking about doing something and unfortunately, the timing just didn't work out, Uh, putting all that production into place. Unfortunately, just couldn't come together. Uh, That said, we've been talking about it. We are going to be doing an episode 600. Don't fear that. Uh, We are hopefully putting some fun plans together. I think it's going to be a really fun episode. Uh, We're definitely going to try to involve as much of the community as possible. I'll probably have more to say on that to how to involve all of you next week. Um, but yeah, very excited about that. Also want to say thank you to everyone who's been tweeting rutabaga at me over the last week. If you know, you know, and if you don't go listen to the drunk episode of beyond on your current, uh, podcast feeds.
0: Wow. Yeah. I missed yeah. that
1: one. Uh, you'll understand rutabaga. Yeah. Unfortunately we were on the last night of e 3 and it was kind no,
0: of No like, It was sort totally of cool. Yeah. We, we flew out of town. E3 was, um, it was a lot.
1: It, it was a lot. And we yep. are going to talk about how E3 was for you because we haven't actually gotten to talk about sure, that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but first, There are a few small news updates that I did want to touch on very briefly. Um, There's not much, but we'll try to go through it. The first thing that I'm going to bring up is that there is a new patent from Sony about faster loading times. And uh, people may be wondering, unfortunately, the laptops we have currently in the podcast room don't have our soundboards on them. So I don't have the crunch jingle for you. Brian, could you give me a good crunch? Brunch. Thank you for that. Um, so there's, <laughs>
0: I forget how the whole thing goes. We've heard it so many times now. There's
1: the the kids extra, screaming, extra, extra yeah. read all about a Crunch. People keep asking me if I'm going to pay that kid. I don't know <laughs> who that kid is. I don't know at all. We'll, we'll buy a
0: newspaper from him tomorrow.
1: Yeah, hopefully that'll give him 25 cents. But anyway, Sony has patented a new technology that will help remove loading screens from games that use it. The patent titled, quote, System and Method for Dynamically Loading Game Software for smooth gameplay, rolls right off the tongue, mm-hmm. describes a technology that loads in data in advance in order to prevent load screens. The patent explains that the system can monitor the player's character and use this information to load in new areas in preparation as the player approaches them. Um, and I love the idea of that because I so want to see a game that would use this technology and immediately try to screw with it and like be like, oh, maybe I'm going to go to the new area and just like keep pulling back oh, yeah, and yeah. see how it would affect the loading of it. That's,
0: that's a great idea. I wonder if that is... Is really going to be like sort of the the giant push of what defines next gen is just like
1: load times. F- st- yeah, I mean, <laughs>
0: th- like it, I, I guess like ultimately this sort of like f- the further uh, it just m- minutia improvement of tiny little things that are sort of like annoying right yeah. now. Which is, like, not really a leap, <laughs> you <laughs> no, know? No, not
1: so much. It's a like, incremental step.
0: Incremental step is exactly but what I'm expecting.
1: That's kind of what I thought this gen was going to be about, was sort of more, like, the fidelity of the worlds we're in. And there are definitely some games that push that, obviously, with, like, Red Dead or GTA yep. or even things with, like, Shadow of War and the Nemesis system. But... Not every game adopted that in the way I expected, and I feel Mm -hmm. like this gen is going to be like the technology is there for people to do that at smaller scales, maybe at smaller budgets. It'll be a lot more feasible for people. Yeah,
0: totally. I mean, I I would say, like, weirdly, looking back, one of the best things to come out of this gen in terms of improvements was operating systems. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because the power of the PlayStation 4 allowed for a better operating system or they just designed a better operating system or both. Um, So. I hope that keeps going. Yeah,
1: right? that would be nice.
0: I'm going to buy a PlayStation Five on day one, no matter what happens, right? Um, but so far, I, I guess I just have to keep reminding myself that we'll never really get that, like, you know, that the sort of the 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 first leap into 3D or the, yeah, or like, like one the, of those things, the
1: leap to HD with the PS2 to PS3 yes. and yeah. Xbox to 360, like that was such a defining. You could show someone Im- one image, and they would instantly see, "Oh, this is a major, massive yeah. jump." And like games at the start of the PS4 and Xbox One looked pretty, but they looked like better versions of what we knew to an extent. No,
0: totally. At least for a little while. Yeah. And I mean, we're we're hearing stuff like 8K right now, which is an utterly meaningless buzzword yeah. meant to sell TVs to the high end market of rich dudes at CES. You know, like there's
1: 4K still isn't. Yeah, most I mean, widely it's, adopted. Thing.
0: No, totally. And it's it's even then is like getting so, sort of any any sort of parity across all streaming platforms to make sure it happens. Uh, even I mean, people were streaming the like one of the penultimate episodes of Game of Thrones and it just didn't look great. So yeah. we're not even there yet.
1: Yeah, but- it- It's definitely a, I mean, especially with streaming also being on the rise, like who knows how that will play into the technology that's being built as well. Yep. Um, But as our own Matt Perslow wrote, effectively, this means if the game detects that you're approaching the boundary of the environment that is currently loaded, it can load the next environment into a standby memory module and then instantly display it when you eventually reach the boundary rather than sending you to a loading screen or a transition room, such as Mass Effect's elevators. Of course, I think like one of the biggest things we see in games this generation is the like walking between two rocks to slowly move your way through an area as sort of like masking a load.
0: Which I've always been fascinated with, by the way. Uh, That's something Metroid Prime, if you ever played that game, if you remember shooting doors, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it would take a few seconds for them to open up. That was masking a loading screen. I mean, games have been doing this for a very long time. I think the most rudimentary way we can break this down is sort of like if you're playing Tetris and there's a block in the corner that you see is going to drop next, that's basically what this is doing on a much grander scale.
1: Yeah, and obviously as it's a patent we don't know like how fully it will be used if it ever actually gets used. Yep. Um a lot of these companies do just file patents to have the technology on board in case they ever need it. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll see it adopted, but
0: I watched the 50-something minute behind closed doors Cyberpunk 2077 demo at E3, and they very outright stated that there's no loading screens in the game or anything like that. Um, But at one or two points, they did fast travel, and it was like literally three seconds.
1: Yeah, it was kind of nuts. It was like... And obviously, that was built to be like a very impressive demo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I the world that world and the amount of content that is supposedly in it, and the fidelity of that world, the fact that there will be no loading screens, that's gonna make a PS Four sound like a jet engine if yeah. it hasn't before. Yeah, <laughs> I no, seriously,
0: it. which is weird because it's like that's where we're gonna be playing it first. Um, we obviously saw it demoed on like extraordinarily high end PCs. Yeah, but I'm I'm interested to see what sort of heights the next gen consoles can get to. Um. And how that's all going to pan out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be an exciting year. We're yeah, going to no, have sure. a bit of a quiet time for probably the next couple months, but then I think it's going to really gear up toward the end of the year. Um, anyway, moving on from that, there was also a weird thing over the weekend where this Twitter account that was uh, not official but seemed to be somewhat well-recognized started teasing Ape Escape again uh, for the 20th anniversary. And so I'm reading from a Google-translated uh, PlayStation Japanese blog post, uh, but essentially it was like, hey, it's the 20th anniversary uh, from June 23rd. 1999 of the Ape Escape franchise. And so they're celebrating it. They posted a, little, a cute little video about it. There's an official Twitter account celebrating the 20th anniversary. Uh, there's a new theme. I'm not sure if that's available everywhere actually, but mm-hmm. it's coming August 6th uh, for an anniversary theme. And it kind of just said, like, hey, Ape Escape is still around and showed yeah. like a very high-resolution 3D animated ape. and so everyone was like oh is a new ape escape game coming and as of the time we're recording they haven't said a new ape escape game is coming which probably means by the time this episode goes up they will have said a new ape escape game is coming that feels like a good ps4 swan song type of thing to do do you think we'll see a new ape escape and like would you want a new one uh
0: i would want i mean so the original was so it was so like intrinsically connected to the novelty of like dual analog and, yeah. and such. And so obviously, once again, that is a novelty that is far behind us. And uh, But I would like to see sort of a new approach on that. I personally I'd rather get a new monkey ball but that's just me <laughs> if we're bringing old chimps out of the past <laughs> onto video game systems um, but no I think it'd be awesome if you look at the sales on Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and basically taking these things from a few decades ago and bringing them back this is a, this is a, there's a nostalgia for this era yeah. that is untapped um, the PlayStation Classic was not capable of tapping into it for a litany of, of library and technical reasons mm-hmm. but that said there's a lot going on from 20 years ago that we really miss and yeah. i think we're all old enough now with enough disposable income to be like yeah i'll have a few beers and play another rape escape <laughs> so i would love to see it return i would love to see them try something new with it i don't want just a sort of generic hd remaster
1: yeah it's such a product of its time and i think if they just it, like if it was a full-blown like shadow of the colossus style remake or it was yep. way prettier and they modernized the controls because like my memories of that game at the time was like whoa this is slow moving and clunked. yeah like i lo- i had a really fun time with it but it was like Oh, this is clunky mm-hmm. uh, in the control scheme. Even though it was obviously they celebrating they, this. Did experiment. they port it a few years ago? They, I, I might believe know. they
0: did. I oh, could have sworn I, I did a let's play of that. PSP uh, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, the I remember replaying the Wipeout and also Parappa a couple years ago. Those were sort of like darlings of PSX. Um, yeah, there was there was a P, there was yeah, an there was two PS4. port on PS4, which I played, yeah. um, and it is very much. The original game yeah it is not really overhauled in any capacity
1: yeah and like the high resolution asset they revealed of in ape like those are small enough games that i could see you know like sony japan studio working on that with one of their teams and maybe like a third-party developer mm-hmm. so like that's not a shocking thing and especially when sony knows they kind of need to fill a bit of a drought in between these really big games that we're waiting for to which still don't have dates yep um something like this isn't a bad way to celebrate the end of a console life cycle.
0: I sure. totally agree. Yeah.
1: Um, so we'll see if that actually happens again as of right now when we're recording. They haven't announced it so if they announce it and you're listening to this and we sound like idiots, yeah, it's our mm-hmm. fault. It's definitely our fault.
0: And if we don't rush back in here to do like a catch up on that one it's because it's it's a big story but not that big. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if, uh, well. Maybe. I'm trying to think what we would do that for for them bringing back like in PlayStation history. Parappa. Parappa. Yeah.
0: yeah. Who's like now hyper realistic played by an actual man dog
1: that'd be scary is yeah. it is it just Poochie, basically <laughs> it's basically just Poochie. um it's m anyway from that with the ears uh god uh i wanted to move on from that to briefly mention we run these polls now on the ign.com main page uh, and just briefly wanted to mention we ran a poll after e3 this was in the last day or two of which PlayStation playstation exclusive are you the most excited for that's coming up uh death stranding ghost of tsushima last of us part two and ff7 wow which as of right now is a like you know, console first exclusive. We don't really know how long it'll we'll stay exclusive, but nonetheless, those four games—not a, uh, a bad lineup coming up. No, um, you want to read
0: these numbers from biggest to smallest because yes. they're really surprising.
1: So this is with twenty thousand and fifty-three votes. Uh, this was roughly over, I think, like a twenty-four hour period or so. Uh, you want to do biggest to smallest? Yeah. Uh, number one, the most anticipated of the four is The Last of Us Part Two with forty-three point one percent of the vote, mm-hmm. followed by Final Fantasy VII Remake with twenty-eight point eight percent of the vote ghost of Tsushima followed that with 14.8% and then death stranding was last with 13.3% it's
0: crazy I
1: will say it's like last of four probably the most anticipated games Mm -hmm. we ran a top 10 most anticipated I'd assume all four would be in there um but for me, we were talking about this in the office, uh, Tom Marks and John Ryan and myself. I think the Death Stranding being the last place sort of thing to me is because it's weirdly the most known quantity. As as confusing as it still is as a game, and we don't really know what the flow of that game is, yep. it has a date. It's the soonest date. We've seen, you know, like 10 different trailers for it. I think people are kind of like, I'm either on board or I'm not on board. Yes. And so for the people who are not on board the other three games either have huge nostalgia huge pedigree to them like there's something there's still an unknown or exciting yep. quality as much as still death training we have no idea what the hell that game's going
0: to No, be. I think you're <laughs> completely right. I mean it's like we we've seen the collector's edition, we know the release date. There's a the, Kojima like uh, 10 minutes ago tweeted out a, a a trailer which was like a Japanese cut of last week's trailer with like an extended Whole, you know oh, all of that. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of information out there, but not enough to actually know what we'll be doing when we yeah, play that game. Like
1: if you, I mean, we've seen like these huge open expansive environments, and then also a couple small like fights with three dudes in hazmat suits. Yeah. So like who knows what you're doing in between those small fights of whether like you're actually fighting the environment itself. Like if that's part of the struggle that you're facing. If like didn't Troy Baker's character summon like a giant demon dog in one yeah. of the trailers? Like yeah. that's probably a boss fight. Who knows how big that thing is actually? going to be like Mm -hmm. but we don't know
0: yeah i i don't want to describe the word as like apprehensive i will say sort of cautiously optimistic yeah um i think people are kind of like i don't know what it is yet i don't i think people might be waiting for reviews or like actual legit chunks of gameplay to kind of quantify this is what i'm going to be playing when that game comes out um ghost of Tsushima is like a really interesting one because i feel like we we haven't seen that that game in a year
1: Andrew, show us it. Show us. Show us the game, Andrew.
0: You got the details. You
1: know it. Just Call leak it. them.
0: Lose your job. It's, it's all worth it.
1: We Just have f- a spot for you here. I'm hiring. I'm hiring <laughs> a new editor below me. Feel free to come on in. Um, what a re- reversal of events that was. I do. know.
0: Um, no, please don't do that. Don't yeah, lose your don't, job. We're, ha- we're happy. You're <laughs> happy. Uh, but yeah, we haven't seen that game in a year. We know the studio pedigree behind it. I'm fascinated in it because it's such a departure from what they've made before. This, yeah. you know, in terms of like like crazy laser lit open world games where you're a superhero. To yeah, I
1: wherever mean, wherever this is going, especially from like the cell shaded, uh, like very hyper stylized world of Sly Cooper. Yep. to superheroes to now this like. Ghost to me is the most fascinating because I think it debuted at Paris Games Week 2017. Like I think we got that teaser cinematic trailer and then we got the E3 demo last year and then that's been it. That's really been everything we've seen. And that demo, as cool as it was, definitely felt like a vertical slice of the game. Mm -hmm. So who knows like what the real flow of that game is going to be like. There's so many unanswered questions.
0: It's also like it it will now accompany games like Sekiro and uh, Neo 2 in terms of like... Games that are sort of stylistically similar, and I think people are sort of hot on Sekiro and they maybe want something more that's like that. Yeah. In fact, I really wonder how much of that game is getting into the brains of the people behind Ghosts right now.
1: Yeah, that's really or interesting. Or how far along they are. Because to me, I think that like Ghosts, as much as there will probably be a really cool difficulty to it, like a harder mode or a new game plus mode and all that, it's gotta be approachable enough as a like PlayStation exclusive first party mm-hmm. game that a wide audience could try yep. it out. So yeah, I'm curious. When do you think we'll see Ghost? Like, when do you think we'll next see it? Oh,
0: like anything from it? Yeah, not see really. anything just, from just, it? Yeah, Pro- probably February 2020 at the earliest.
1: Okay. And when yeah. do you think that game comes out?
0: I think th- I think that's a at the earliest. I think that's a PlayStation 5 launch game. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I actually don't think we're going to see that game on PS4. Really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe.
1: I th- I think it'll do both, just because like why. R- risk the install base no totally it'll be kind of one of those things where it's like why wouldn't you buy it on ps5 if you
0: yeah i mean we're predicting that for a lot of games and that's sort of a weird thing that's twofold right like one if ghost is the only game that isn't last gen and next gen people will be like well what's your excuse but two if every game is last gen and next gen, it sort of waters down the reasoning and justification for running out and buying a next gen system. Yeah. And so I think that's like a interesting that's an interesting sort of like problem. It's a good problem to have, right? Like there's stuff like Cyberpunk. One of the things I thought about the other day, which is hadn't even dawned on me before, but like Rockstar is going to put out GTA
1: five. <laughs> Or 6. For, oh, you five. mean GTA 5. They I mean, will yeah. put GTA
0: 5 on PS5, yeah. and it will in, be in the NPD for the top 10 for another a whole another 10 years.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, unless they surprise us and do GTA 6 in the next... Two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no reason not to also bring that there, yeah, which is insane because GTA Online is still, sitting, of course, like, it's such it's a huge, huge thing. yeah, and just um,
0: drag and drop that audience over, get people to pay sixty bucks for it
1: again, yeah. That that bridge is really interesting to me because there are things I think like Horizon, all unannounced, of course, but like Horizon Two, God of War Two, um, and Spider Man Two, yeah, which are all going to be PS Five only, I think, yeah. At this point, like it's pretty safe to say, but I do think I've been saying this a lot. I think it's going to be a slower adoption rate from PS Four to PS Five because of the cross-gen compatibility of games and because of there's not going to be that huge jump I, I think that we're going to see day one so I think people are going to be more inclined to wait until they're the games they need to play
0: totally agree and I think it's like we've seen cross-gen games in the past especially from Sony with The Last of Us it was something that like started on PS3 and then relaunched on PS4 not necessarily like one disc that would work on both systems yeah. um, and then when you've seen companies like Nintendo try this specifically with two Zelda games Twilight Princess and Breath of the Wild each of the those consoles um that marked that sort of bridge also had something like this big hook with them whether that was motion controls or the uh the tablet or your or, yeah portability oh, yeah, for, switch, um, yeah. for switch um and we don't know if ps5 will be attempting anything like that yeah
1: so. we have no idea right now between scarlet and ps5 if these things are just going to be better boxes of what we have now, which isn't bad. That's not a like wrong approach. It's Mm -mm. just, we are right now. We just went through the most recent console launch was the switch trying something so different. And then we're going to now see before the next console cycle, Uh, streaming launch really big with stadia and like we're seeing really different launches so who knows if they're going to play it even more safe to be like is streaming too much for you do you not want a game on the go with lesser graphics then stay home with your ps5 like who knows
0: well you've done that thing where like you're you're due for an upgrade for a new phone and you get you get it and it but it's like one of those like kind of like inner intermittent upgrades. Yeah. It's
1: like a success. Yeah. <laughs> like, and
0: then you bring it home and you've got this brand new box and it's shrink wrapped and you open it up and you, you plug it in and there's something sort of missing about that. Yeah. Like, brand new feel of it all. Um, but then in your day-to-day usage, you're like, it's faster, it's better, it takes better photos. Um, I think that's, these consoles will reveal themselves in the long run. Um, but I do think that on day one, when we open that box for the first time, unless there's like major new additions to the controller, the console design itself is sleek and incredibly cool to look at. Yeah. I do think it's going to be missing that like oomph of yeah. like... This is a this is a brand new leap into the next gen,
1: which I hope means they're really going to put an emphasis into the games that are launching with it. Because like if Scarlet's going with Halo, uh, if we see Nintendo do big stuff in the next year, like who knows when Breath of the Wild 2 launches, who knows what else they have cooking uh, because they're not going to talk about fall 2020 right Mm -hmm. now. PS5 can't launch with Knack 3. (laughs) Yeah. Like there has to be something big.
0: Yeah, well, it can right. launch with NAC 3 and, and, and Horizon at too. least another day. Yeah, <laughs> at least two too. games. There we that go. would be
1: nice. I'm um, into that. Yeah, we'll see. Obviously, we have a lot of time to speculate, and uh, depending on our schedule, we're a little budgeted for time today. We may speculate some more. But first, Brian, how was your E3? We haven't talked about it. Since um, you haven't been on since then,
0: <laughs> I, I was. I was weirdly my one of my favorite E3s ever, if not my favorite work-wise. Um, I got to basically write and host the live show for a few days, yeah. which was great because I always talk about this. E3 is a really wonderful time um, for video game developers, and you can see. The excitement and hear the excitement in their voice when you watch them on live shows. They are, have been head down in their studios working on stuff for so long, and this is many uh, oftentimes their their first time showing something to the public. And they get to come out and they have this like very like it's like a little kid running in the room being like, "Look what I made!" And yeah. everyone's like, "Yeah, awesome!" Or some people are very angry, um, justifiably, because these are ultimately consumer products that we will have to throw money at. Uh, so no, I I, I love D three. It was weird because removing the Sony press conference took a little bit of the energy and excitement out of it. But in terms of sheer number of games, I don't feel like there was any less this year than other years. Yeah. Um, it was extraordinarily busy and creatively energized as, as any E3 I'd, I'd seen before seeing, um, sort of the breadth of creativity coming out at the tail end of a console life when even like the sort of like slimmest of indie studios had these phenomenal double-A games, you know, that they've basically been toiling away at for so long. D- seeing people sort of maximize the the power that they could get out of these consoles. So it was a really energizing time at the end of a, the lifespan of these systems. It's so, cool to
1: see a bit, a little bit of the middle in the yeah. industry come back.
0: Yeah, I was, I was thinking a lot about that. It's really important that that's made a return because um, for a while there, it felt like we were only going to get triple A games and indie games. Yeah. Which meant that like big open world, you know, third person hero shooter, MMOs, RPGs, and then like pixel art platforming games and then nothing in between. Yeah. And then so I think we're starting to get more stuff. Like if you look at a game like, you know, um, Hellblade or a Plague Tale. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh, these are, these are sort of like, they're not open world, but they're not, they're not completely linear. They're not, yeah there's, yeah. there's there's
1: a little bit more to their mm-hmm. scope and everything. I mean, like, basically all of THQ Nordic's upcoming slate. Yeah. It's, like, of a piece of that where it's not... 200 hour open world things but it's also not here's four levels that you can play through in four hours.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: I I was really excited about things too like the outer worlds mm-hmm. where it's like hey this is going to be just a it's like a Fallout but it's 40 hours. Yeah. You're you just going to be able to play it in a reasonable time. I'm like that sounds wonderful. Isn't that great? I like that.
0: Yeah. No, what, I like that a lot.
1: What games did you obviously I know you're doing a ton on the live show. What either there if you got to go hands on with stuff what did you enjoy seeing the most?
0: Um, the Jedi Fallen Order was one of the ones that Totally, I obviously I'm a big Star Wars guy. I will say I was a little like, we'll see where this goes. Um, And that they didn't really put their best foot forward in terms of E3 presentation to be like, this is what this game is. That game is basically it's like a Metroid game
1: yeah which is crazy yeah I, I watched the a play I never got to see the behind closed doors demo which they've released now like the full 26 minute yep, that's up now demo you can watch but yeah it's like there's a scope to this game I don't think mm-hmm. we all realized
0: yeah the um first of all max and I played the demo and it started out I don't know if their demo did this but our demo started off with this like sort of fake training facility where we had to go through waves of bad guys and those like cool K- k2so droids mm-hmm. Um, and basically learn the fundamentals of combat, and it gets, gets a lot deeper than I really thought it would. Um, there's also the whole thing where you can kind of pray at these like weird fire fire pit areas and it makes you kick into a skill tree where you can level up uh, a lot of people were really pissed off during the live show demo that they did yeah where they got like a skill point and then didn't apply it to anything because Pe- people want to know where those go i got to see that screen and it's like it's dense and there's a lot of options and that's really cool but also doing that makes all the enemies respawn so you can go oh, back out and, and okay. start, start grinding again um but there's like a ship area that you can get to that pulls up a map that lets you planet hop and within those planets there's like sort of um, if you think about like Tomb Raider had hubs yeah. where you could go in and just like, I don't know, I guess hunt womp rats or whatever for a while, you know, like beat up stormtroopers. Go um, pet a
1: llama. Yeah. A yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. All that. Yeah, I, I hope they just bring a llama in there. That'd be great. <laughs> it's a very Star Wars animal. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm super into that. Um, I, uh, I played the demo with Max. We had a tough time. Doing the wall running for some weird reason. Yeah. Um, and there was were you just no- falling a bunch. We just kept falling. And it's like <laughs> watching, it was really funny because it's like we just, it just took both of us a second to click with that. And then once we did, there was no looking back. But there was like a five minute span where we were passing the controller back and forth. And we just kept taking this new Jedi hero, Cal, and diving him into a pit. And it's just the least. Jedi thing in the world is like well it's
1: like that 25 minute scene in episode 2 where Mace Windu just keeps trying to run off the side of a building and he just keeps (laughs) falling and then Sam Jackson comes back weirdly would have
0: improved that film yeah Uh, no so that was really cool Uh, the cyberpunk thing is obviously super cool Uh, I have some weird thoughts on that one because I think that like it's it is going to be a like that's going to be a tricky game to talk about because it's going to be offensive and problematic but It's also, I think that's inherently part of what the entire thesis of what cyberpunk is as a theme.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they actually explore all of the stuff. There's been some, for those who may not know, there's been some controversy in terms of some of the... uh, There was controversy earlier, and then obviously with CD Projekt Red's uh, Twitter account in the past has tweeted out some things that were... uh, I believe transphobic um, and some joking tweets and all that. And then with this recent demo, I believe there's some art that kind of treats body modification and trans identity sort of as a like selling point for one of the companies in the world. And, I think there's a way they could probably tell that story in an interesting way. I don't know if that'll be part of it. No, I agree.
0: And I'm completely sympathetic to that. And, uh, you know, I think it's like it's a very tough balance as as games move into becoming more and more realistic and giving you more player choice. We are going to be faced with the reality that our world that games are emulating, even in a sort of like future sense, is ugly and difficult yeah and it's not always easy to navigate like if you made an open world game based on current modern day san francisco and you walk down the street and there was like a homeless guy shooting up heroin you'd in the game be like i want to help him right but in san francisco most people just don't and so how do you tackle that right like how do you tackle real world themes in video games like that i think it's going to get trickier and trickier um life is ugly.
1: <laughs> it's like
0: <laughs> and also
1: in a in a game that's supposed to be so much about like letting you create the story that you want to within this world and all yeah. the things it's presenting and really create your v to be the v you want it to mm-hmm. be like uh, that was a terrible rhyme, but I yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see what essentially the confines of this world end up being because it seems like one of the most dense or possibly dense and complex open world yeah. we've ever seen but I wonder where those walls are going to start to appear.
0: Yeah, it's odd. And it's, I mean, if you play the entire game stealth, which we saw the same demo basically played multiple yeah. ways. And, you know, one player was sneaking into this, like, r- beaten up boxing gym and hacking robots to, like, put their power up to 10 and punching dudes' heads off so they could he could kill people without actually killing people. And the other player walked in with it just, like, a big gun and just, like bullet sponge the shit out of everyone until they were done um and i think that those are two very different approaches and maybe one is more fun than the other and so yeah we're i think we're all going to play very different versions of this game in synchronicity and i, I find that fascinating so yeah. we'll
1: yeah i'm curious to see also how fun it ends up being to play it in all those different yep. ways like I w- if you know there's 72 different combinations are only four of them fun like mm-hmm. i'm curious to see how that plays out
0: yeah, um, I, I will say the um, the whole notion of a behind closed doors thing at E3 is very odd. I do think, and I tweeted a little about this. And I don't I don't want to hog too much time on this, but like I do think E3 as a show is is sort of losing its identity a lot, and I think that right now it's still kind of business as usual for the, for the press, um, which is fine and dandy, but the entire notion of bringing audience in and not really rewarding them enough for the money they're paying is something that's not, it's not like sticking well with me. Um, I talked to, tons of fans there who paid a lot of money to get in that show and then waited eight hours to to play one game and i I don't think that's fair i think that's like if they are going if they're going to head into a more consumer-friendly territory i think that's something that needs to be taken care of and i think there needs to be four times as many demo kiosks for everybody i think it's like if this is going to be like you know, you get to go to the biggest show of the year for gamers. Like, let's make that for them. You know, like let's let's have more swag on the show floor. Let's have more exclusive merchandise. Let's like really make this a show for fans, and then also give press their behind closed doors nonsense. You know, whatever they need to do to keep their, doing their jobs. So.
1: Uh, Jammo Jamster from the Facebook Podcast Beyond Great Group, name. which is Facebook.com slash group slash podcast beyond, asks, the perception of E3 is that it's heading toward irrelevance or at least a shift in priority from the big names in the industry. Do you see the same thing happening at Gamescom and TGS? And I wanted to bring this up as you were talking to that, because I totally agree. I think E3 needs to change from what it was this year and last year. I think in terms of other uh trade shows being hit with irrelevance, I think Gamescom kind of has the perfect format in yeah. terms of balancing both having some days just for press and industry and then opening it up to the wider audience. Yes, And I think like in the LA convention center, there is a lot of conflict that ends up happening with people having to run between appointments, whether it's press or people in the business side of, you know, working from a GameStop or a Walmart or people Mm -hmm. devs and publishers. And then all the fans who are waiting around seeing all these people running around, maybe they're missing something. Maybe they're not. Yeah. It's a weird conflicting two different shows I, competing for the same com- space completely
0: agree i also i feel i feel like an ass when like i have to run to the front of the line to get to, to an appointment that i booked you know a month in advance um and i'm cutting off 30 people that are like hi brian i've been in line for three hours like i that's it's i'm doing my job they're trying to get their money's worth for something, and there's a conflict there because it's like they're, you know, I, I, there's a perception that like I'm am better than them, and I don't want to feel that way.
1: Yeah, and, and so th- I think
0: the press day thing is a very important idea. TGS does it as well. Yeah, um, Germany and Europe as a whole also has the benefit of not being sort of inundated with conventions all year round, um, and so there is a sort of specialized focus for Gamescom. Um, here we have a like, uh, interesting problem where we have more conventions than ever, but they're all sort of small now because of it and so each show isn't as big but there's more of them and if you live in texas you can go to pax south and if you live in seattle you can go to pax west or prime whatever they call it
1: i think it's west yeah now. yeah west yeah there yeah. are multiple Pax's. there's mm-hmm. e3 there's anime expo that has games as well i think now these there was days a, like a
0: new jersey game gaming convention over the weekend i was like yeah. how was i not invited to this um
1: uh i think there was i swear someone invited me to the facebook group for it but i think there was like a kingdom hearts con of course where the game came out like in texas somewhere like there's just now it there's 12 different comic cons every month like it's just kind of <laughs>
0: i almost i almost called that condom hearts and i realized that's <laughs> oh a
1: very God, bad name for a, a show very different game very different game um But
0: yeah, I don't think the show is dying or anything. This is also like we are having conversations about the death of GameStop, the death of games media, the death of E3, all in the sort of – Penultimate year for consoles, right before a brand new console life cycle begins anew. I think these con- these conversations are they're valid. I think they're all a little premature. Yeah, um, I mean, I,
1: I, I wasn't a part of those conversations in the last console shift, but I feel like I remember a lot of people talking of like, oh no, the industry is going to go downhill every time. New gen, it's going to be yeah. And like, don't get me wrong, I think things are going to change a lot when it comes to conventions. or movie sure. cover games and all of that, but I like, I don't necessarily think that means it's outright dying totally but yeah I, I do think e3 needs to change but it's going to be one of those weird things where next year it's going to be a huge bounce back because it's next gen what, so when, unless everyone drops out
0: i agree what when, when, removing microsoft and sony from the show floor i tweeted this out but it, it sort of felt like when you go to a mall and like macy's and sears is gone yeah there's the the big fish and the small fish and they sort of feed off each other in a big center like that and the show just basically stopped once you walk to a very shrinking perimeter um, and removing, you know, the, the big stores, you basically you're left with Nintendo, which is huge, but then the rest are, it just kind of feels like a sh- sharper image and like, yeah, well, I mean, we were CD s- world or whatever.
1: <laughs> We've been saying it a lot, but like Geico gaming had like a yeah. large space that yep. other developers would have had in years past. And it just felt like a different sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one of the most tragic points of my life was when they uh, gutted a few of my favorite pretzels places in the mall. That sucks. And then replace them with a single pretzel stop in the middle of the food court, and it was awful.
0: Oh, that they, really it sucks. It was like the
1: worst gross butter you could put on a pretzel.
0: Annie Ann's was always my go-to after like trying on a bunch of clothes that didn't fit. And uh, okay. I'd just yeah. be like, well, time to guilt eat some pretzels. Yeah, just
1: <laughs> lean into it. Uh, there was a place I swear to God,
0: they're like 80% butter.
1: They're yeah. so good. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. There was a. It, it sounds like it would be terrible, but there was a place called New York Pretzel in my local mall on Long Island that was open it was one of the ones that was replaced mm. and they were they were the pinnacle for me they were so like i believe Auntie that Ann's was trash compared. Go, no, to, no
0: i believe that because then, it, you were in long island so i would believe in new york pretzel in california i'd be like it, no, no i'd never eat that yeah.
1: yeah um brian we're i know we're a little short on time today sure i do want to ask so we have a few things we could talk about mm-hmm. uh, i do also have a bunch of questions from the readers and listeners and viewers in the podcast group do you want to talk about uh some vr stuff do you want to talk about what we're playing we,
0: we could save the or vr stuff okay. why, why don't we take some questions right, That's let's a good do time. that uh the first yeah. one I Check want to with the bring readers. up. So again, all these questions Listeners, come from viewers. Watchers.
1: Uh, we call them readers all the time, but this is an audio show. I know. Um, Yair Donan from the Facebook group asks, Hey baby. Mostly for Brian. What do you think on gaming related baby clothes and toys? My three week old daughter, congratulations, uh, sleeps with a Charmander plushie, and my <laughs> wife bought us matching player one player two clothes, but I doubt I'll be wearing them in public for some reason. Right. I posted a photo and it's player one, the adult t-shirt, and then the player two onesie. I
0: that actually makes more sense. I got a lot of I got a couple of onesies that said like player three has entered the game and I was like, Well dude, nobody nobody plays three Are you playing player Battle two. Battle toads? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's like it's a weird number. Um I will say that like if you're as a my, my kid is a year old now and one of her favorite things in the world and this is a really weird story um my brother got us a like a plush kirby that we put on the shelf above her changing table and so Changing a baby's diaper is terrible for you. They're also not crazy about it because like, they're laying on their back in this vulnerable position and somebody's holding their legs up in the air and wiping poop. It's It's gross. Normal Tuesday. So they start crying. And so one of the things I started doing with my free hand is reaching up above to the shelf where Kirby is and like kind of making Kirby peek out. And then my, (laughs) my kid would start giggling and laughing. And I would take the Kirby down and hand it to her. And so she holds a Kirby and she's like laughing and smiling while I'm cleaning poop. And so that's great for her, but she also might be developing a weird intrinsic mental connection between Kirby Kirby. and Poopy.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which is odd. When the Kirby game at the end of the Switch's life cycle comes out, is she just going to see him and be like, I have to go?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I think so. I mean, like, the the whole thing about like nerd culture and babies is like, you have to walk a fine line between like pushing your interests onto them, but also. Realizing that, like we live in a very cool, modern, geeky world now, where you can get stuff to decorate a nursery or a playpen or anything like that, or even clothing that is like that evokes those things without screaming like "I'm player too" or like "I'm a nerd." It like, doesn't
1: have to be like a Facebook ad shirt. Yeah, you can do like tastefully geeky stuff, like not baby-related, but in our kitchen, most of our glasses that we use are like great Mondo art glasses yep. from Alamo because yep. they look beautiful and they're not super awful like Mm -hmm. not egregious but yeah
0: yeah i think that like that sort of tastefulness applies to adulthood as well i mean i to me it's no different i saw a guy like pushing a stroller around and his kid had like a pink floyd shirt on and it's like well your kid doesn't know what that is you're you're sort of they might you never know you're you're kind of pushing your interest on them in in an interesting way but like it's also like i don't know they're gonna they only wear those clothes for like a couple of days before they grow out of them anyway so you might as well have fun with them
1: yeah uh whether it says player three has entered the game Mm -hmm. or just player two uh moving on from that osvaldo asked how was florida brian uh you and max were out last week because you were in florida on that a video shoot we were on
0: a video shoot that i can't wait to talk about um
1: but you can talk about being in florida
0: i can talk I guess, about being yeah. in florida florida was wonderful i it made me i was in my i was in miami beach for four days and it really 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 made me want to replay vice city okay and i was thinking about how weird it is that like those games don't just get ported to everything there aren't like hd remakes of those games it like I don't know. Rockstar is really excellent at what they do, but they're also like, they have a tendency to kind of just like focus all in on one or two things at a time, yeah. which are the biggest things in the world, justifiably. But I would love to see like a just an HD remake of Vice City. On yeah. PS4. I'm
1: actually surprised we haven't seen as many of those I as I would expect. I feel like Bully's probably been remade more than GTA's have. Yeah. To a certain extent, which is unexpected.
0: Well, there was a while where they were getting ported to old systems and to Vita and PSP and stuff like that. They're just, you just can't play them on ps4 the same way
1: yeah so it's it's a bummer maybe ps5 uh moving on from that daniel asks do you hope that sony has its own game pass service next gen all first party games on their day one etc yes Uh, i just so i came back from e3 and my first move was to hook up my xbox which has been dormant for over a year and start up game pass because i was like there's so many cool things coming out that are going to be on game pass but it's like oh from minute one i can play every xbox first party game Outer Wilds, Forza Horizon Four, Ori in the Blind Forest, Outer Wilds is in First Party, but mm-hmm. it just like there's such a gamut of things I could play instantly.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, even when I mean Sony is absolutely crushing it in First Party. That is undeniable. Like they're they're probably doing better than they ever have before in terms of in terms of that rhythm right now. Um, and Microsoft, frankly, isn't and hasn't this gen. It's just didn't work out that way, but uh where they have made up that mind share is with Game Pass and allowing me to jump on and play a bunch of third party games that like I would have had to pay for on on PS4. Yeah. Um and it it's really really awesome to they had this some deal over E3 where it's like I think it's still going on for a dollar. For it's like a dollar. Yeah. for for Game Pass and Xbox Live and it's just like that's insane. Yeah. Um and so yes, I really really hope they steal that especially in the way we've seen the sort of value decrease of PlayStation Plus. Um they need something like that. I think that rolling out with Nick with next gen would be really cool.
1: It'd be so crazy to me for them to include first party games in in their version of a game pass, but I can't see not including them. Like it's one of those things where it's like they love to tout and rightfully so because they do well, but like the sales of God of War, the sales of Uncharted or Horizon, which has a new IP and all that. And to be like, it had 5 million downloads Mm -hmm. is a bit of a different thing but I guess you could also directly correlate. Hey, we got 2 million more game pass, whatever they call it. Subscribers that month. Cause of God of War 2. Totally, like There's, there's a give and take to it. Like maybe they'll do DLC definitely in there or things like that. I don't know. There's like a lot of options they could take with. No, them, I totally
0: agree. I, I, lo- I really appreciate, I'm like a, total geek for like NPD and like yeah, me sales too. numbers and stuff like that. I've always been that way for some odd reason. Um but the uh the interesting thing that's happened this generation is Sony's been very transparent about that because they have a good story to tell. And Microsoft has very not been Yep.
1: They stopped reporting Xbox One yeah, so long ago. It reminds
0: me of like Netflix where you're into a show and they just cancel it and you're like W- was it not popular? And they're like, no. And you're like, well, we didn't know that. Yeah. Like we couldn't start a petition to be like, save it or make a second season. Like we could on, on a show on NBC when they're like, ratings are down, it's on the ropes and the fans get together. Like they did for something like community or something.
1: Like yeah. That. It, it, when they, especially when Netflix goes like 40 million accounts have viewed yeah, sex means, education.
0: That means nothing to uh, me. That, yeah. that, that's like, Oh, 50,000 cars drove by a sign that said, turn right. It's like, yeah. well, is that a, is that a view? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's basically what, what Facebook
0: does, right? Yeah. They're like, we got Thousand people scrolled past our video, and I'm like, "That's meaningless." They
1: statistics. watched two seconds and then moved on. Yeah, and so I think yeah.
0: I think Sony is happy going. Hey, we sold two million copies of God of War in a day.
1: I I wouldn't be shocked if they are resistant to doing a Game Pass. Like maybe they in uh, upgrade the way PlayStation Plus works with third party stuff, but are hesitant to do first party things, and then we'll really respond to how the generation goes. Like yeah. I think we're going to see a bit of call and response next gen for sure. There's also like that.
0: There's also that balance of like, should they do this because it'd be nice. And will there's benefit their, their business? Yes, exactly. And like, that's a yeah. very, for Microsoft, they're kind of like, well, we're not selling a ton of first party games, so we can do this and get money otherwise. And, and it's working out. I mean, there was an interview the other day where they were basically like console, like sales are secondary to software sales. Yeah, it's like, Well, they sort of go hand in hand.
1: Well, it is. I, I think that was Phil Spencer. And I think yep. he was speaking sort of to like the general idea of like, consoles are sold at a loss Mm -hmm. at the end of the day like it's getting people to buy the software but of course you need them to have the hardware first Mm -hmm. uh moving on from that ben asks what color will the ps5 be and will it be able to make coffee probably not but that would be really nice um black or white it'll yeah it'll be black
0: (laughs) at launch for sure yeah i would guess i wish it was white that'd be cool um no they usually do the the special systems later yeah the glacier white yeah
1: i think came with destiny
0: i remember the um One of my favorite things about the PS3 were all the photoshops of it being a George Foreman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And like people cracking eggs on it and cook like you couldn't actually do that. Um, I don't think it'll be able to make coffee. I do think you'll be able to plug like a USB coffee roaster into it. That'd be nice. Yeah. Which you can do on your PS4 right now. Oh, you can. If you have a USB coffee roaster, if that's the thing that
1: it probably does. Everything is USB abled right now.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: I know we have a little bit of time left with you, Brian. So when do you think the PS5 will be unveiled to the public? Uh, Nathan asked this, and I did want to talk about this because Brandon Tyrell and I were actually just talking about what we think their rollout is going to be, and I wanted to hear what you think. When do you think they're going to unveil the PS5? So they've done this, like, the next-gen is coming. Right. When do you think they're going to be, like, here is the PlayStation 5. February. Okay.
0: That feels right. I believe that's what they did for the PS4. So,
1: yeah, for the PS4, it was February that year.
0: Did they show us the box?
1: Not at that time. They showed us the controller okay. and games.
0: Because I saw a tweet, like a very old tweet got kicked up the other day from Major Nelson. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, where, where it he was, was like, like. Interesting look, you know. Talk, announcing a
1: console but not but showing, showing it. the box. TV. Project Scarlet. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. And then uh, a few days later, you know, obviously we had known everything, but... But, um, yeah, that's exactly what Microsoft does this time around. So I, I came out of E3 sort of disappointed in that whole next-gen conversation regard. Yeah. Because we're basically exactly where we were a year ago. Yeah. Which was, we're, we're doing it, but we can't show you anything yet. But um,
1: load times will be better. Yeah. That's about all we know. Exactly. I Yeah, to me, it's really interesting if... I think February probably makes the most sense. My thought is, though, if regardless of whether or not they have a PSX, and that's something we should talk about in the future, but regardless of whether or not they have a PSX, I think they're going to do some sort of tease at the end of this year. Because if Death Stranding is November, if Last of Us actually does come out in February, as like the rumors and all of that stuff sort of suggests, and then Ghost is further out, mm-hmm. to end this year just being really quiet. about last of us and ghost and next gen i could totally see them putting out a teaser video in december that's like it's their final state of play for the year and it's like we have these three vr games this and wait one more thing and it's like just a quick blip and it's like ps5 info coming q1 or something i
0: really like that because the state of plays kind of feel like digital magazines in a way yeah and i remember like getting nintendo power back in the day when they were like hey uh super nintendo's going great isn't it yeah well anyway um the ultra 64 is coming to japan and it was just like a box in the corner and you're like what (laughs) and then the issue ended and you're like wait what So I like that. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a kind of good idea to just throw it in there as a footnote. Yeah. I, like, and coming next year, the PlayStation 5.
1: Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's how we get the name of the system. God. Uh, I, can't, I can't
0: wait to hear the name of the system. <laughs> who
1: knows what it could be? Uh, Brian, you unfortunately have to head out. Correct? I do. I will yeah. wrap up the show myself. Okay. Things will go crazy. I love you guys. Thanks for having me back. I miss doing you, the Brian. show. Yeah, glad to have you back. Beyond. Uh, where can people find you? You have Find to do another me reality. on
0: Twitter at Agent Bizzle and on Instagram at Brian Altano and then on NVC and all the other fun stuff we we're doing here. We don't talk about them. Yeah, I know. Why would you? Uh, it's cra- crazy busy post E3. What yeah, the hell's going nuts. on, man?
1: Yeah, uh, We had a whole plan to talk about all the games that are coming out, and people are too busy making content about those games. A little
0: secret so. about working here is that we spend the whole first half of the year being like, after E3, when things come down, we're going to do this, this, and this, and all the fun pet projects. And then we just hit the ground running. Yep. We all lie to ourselves. There's oh, yeah. No, there's no slow time anymore. No, it's which is all gone away. Yeah, it's, it's a good crazy. problem to have.
1: Anyway, beyond. Beyond. So much. Uh, I'm going to wrap up the show myself, which will be really awkward and fun. Uh, no one else is coming into the room to talk with me. So this is just me in a vacuum. So if you hate listening to me host this show... Sorry, you're going to get that for the next five minutes. Um, Unfortunately, as Brian is leaving, as Brian has left, and Lucy and Max are not here, and everyone else is kind of busy, uh, we are going to talk about – I can give you a preview of things we're going to talk about now and we'll talk about in future weeks. So if you have questions or comments or concerns or want to talk about anything, send in those thoughts and everything to beyond at IGN.com. Uh, We look in there for emails to read on the show and some other things I'll talk about in a second. But we were going to talk about and will in the future. uh, Brian's been playing a lot of Oculus Quest, as I know some of you at home have been as well and other people in the office. So we were going to talk about Oculus Quest and both things that it makes us want from the the next gen of PSVR, whenever that may be. uh, What we think it does right and wrong in comparison to PSVR and just sort of the state of VR games in general right now, especially as we go into next gen. Uh, We also wanted to speculate about the next state of play and what we think we're going to see in it because it seems to be kind of time for a new state of play to come around. Hopefully that happens soon. Uh, Me saying that probably right now means they'll announce the state of play in between episodes. Um, So sorry. Sorry. If that happens, we'll speculate for the next one, definitely for sure. Uh, but of course, as more state of plays happen, we'll try to make sure we cover those as timely as possible on the show. I know we did a late breaking state of play last time, uh, Episode. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that again if it comes in an off day. Uh, We also were going to talk about, we'll probably talk about in the weeks to come uh, Crash Team Racing has come out, Bloodstained has come out, Judgment has come out. I've played about two hours of Judgment myself, and having not played Yakuza before yet, sorry, Max, uh, I'm really enjoying it. I think it's really cool. I love the tone, I love the style. Uh, I'm enjoying the wacky fighting mechanics in there and i think we'll talk about that a lot more when max comes back so i know the game is out right now but if you want our thoughts on judgment that will definitely come uh beyond that beyond uh we'll obviously be covering any new updates on the next generation of things to come as they happen uh as this episode winds down thank you for bearing with me on my own right now this is quite the fun time Uh, i did want to mention in addition to questions comments or concerns If you want to submit a trophy test suggestion, please write into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line trophy test. Trophy test is a game that we play on the show that we haven't done in a while, but I promise is coming back in full. It's just been again with E3 and post E3 being so crazy hard for us to do, but we will be bringing trophy tests back soon. I'm going to definitely just write a bunch of those down for, for us to have for future shows to come and hopefully maybe have a new game or two to come up with pretty soon as well. Um, so if you have suggestions, basically what I want you to send in is the description of a trophy as it exists. Tell me what game it is. So I know, uh, and then give me both the real title of that trophy and then a fake title of that trophy please try to be creative or funny or silly or in line with the real trophy headline Uh, you can send me a handful of them if you think it helps in terms of like flow of asking these questions but uh having a few trophies to send people's way is very helpful especially when uh time is short some weeks I must sound like a crazy person just talking to myself in this room all alone, but I'm going to keep going very quickly. uh, Memory card is another segment we do on the show. Every week, we either tell stories ourselves or read some from the viewers and listeners at home. Uh, If you have a memory card story you'd like to share with us, more info on that coming soon. We're going to definitely be doing, I think, a lot of memory card stuff for episode 600. But if you have memory card stories, please send them in to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card. We'll read those on the show in future weeks to come. Uh, they're very funny. They're very sad. They're very heartfelt. They, whatever that you want them to be, tell us your stories. We love hearing them and we appreciate you being willing to share them all so much. Um, not going to read one on the show right now, or maybe I will, if I can find a good one. Uh, Okay. So I do have a memory card to share with you right now. It is from Amanda. Amanda wrote, my memory card memory comes from college. The year was 2012. I was visiting my boyfriend over spring break. My entire life, I had only played Nintendo games. My boyfriend had gotten into PlayStation for a few years. While well, being there, he was playing Resident Evil Five. I kept declining staying due to the nin- er, playing possibly due to the Nintendo controller and PlayStation controllers being so different. I had called my parents to talk to them, and my dad was saying I should give the PlayStation a shot since when my boyfriend came to visit me, he played whatever I wanted. Uh, good advice from your father. I gave in and fell in love with. The game, I believe, I want to clarify. Who knows if love happened between the two of them? We'll find out right now. Upon coming back, I bought an Xbox 360 to play Resident Evil 5. Close enough, you're still playing RE5. I did not realize that I could not play with him with it, so for Christmas, I got a PlayStation 3. My boyfriend and I broke up. We stopped talking for years because he was hurt. However, a couple years ago, he started talking to me again. We still play games on PlayStation together, and our favorite game to play still is Resident Evil 5. Uh... It's very sweet. The power of games bringing you together even after a breakup. Um, again, memory cards can be whatever memories. They can be happy, sad, funny, weird, uh, wild, unexpected. Uh, try not to BS too much. I do have a meter for that internally, keeping an eye on things. So if you send me too crazy of a story, I may accidentally read it. Sorry if I do. But uh, I really appreciate all of the like honest, heartfelt, funny, weird, whatever stories you've all been sending in for this segment. Um, I'm so glad it struck a chord with you. Games to me have always been about sharing experiences and talking about the things we play and the people we play them with and why all of that means so much. That's kind of the point of art is what it does, like how it influences us and in our daily lives. Uh, Putting that back out into the world, I think, is a really beautiful, powerful thing. So thank you to everyone who has been doing that. Um, I'm not going to have the show go on too much longer with just me rambling to you in the microphone, all by myself, but again, if you didn't listen, uh, Drunk Beyond, it's not a video show, unfortunately, it is audio only, uh, you can find it on any of the podcast feeds, it is around, it is a very fun two-hour-ish episode of wonderfully silly ramblings from the final night of E3, where we occasionally talk about games, I loved it, I hope you enjoyed it, um, definitely the type of episode I want to do in the future yet again. This has been Beyond episode 596. Beyond is live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific at beyond.ign.com, youtube.com slash IGM Beyond and your favorite podcast services around the world. Uh, Brian, who's here earlier, is Agent Bizzle on Twitter. Max is at Max Scoville, I believe, and Lucy is at Luce O'Brien, L-U-C-E-O-B-R-I-E-N and I am at J.M. Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram so you can follow me there. For updates about the show, updates about work, uh, I did just get a promotion so I talked about that. Uh, yeah, very busy, so... So again, apologies for the show not being super long or super involved with the rest of the cast, but very excited for what's to come. Thank you all so much for listening, so much for watching. I love doing the show. It means so much to me. And now that no one else is in the room while I'm talking, I can get all heartfelt and sappy. But um, I really appreciate all of the like outpouring of support for the show that you've all shown the cast and me um, since I've taken over. I really appreciate it so much. I know we're not at 600 yet, and I'll probably say things like this there, but uh, this show is such a weekly joy of my life to be able to do and put out for all of you. So thank you so much for supporting it for listening to us for rating and subscribing and all that stuff. Um it's really a blast and I hope you're all having a wonderful week out there. I almost didn't say the word having correctly. Uh but I hope you are all having a wonderful week playing some awesome games and be good to each other, be kind. And if you've listened this far, I want you to give a shout-out to Lucy O'Brien on Twitter, L-U-C-E-O-B-R-I-E-N. And just say, hey, Lucy, you're amazing. Keep doing great stuff. And with that, thank you all so much for listening or watching and beyond. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it.